Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 549, a Japan Mobility Show 2023 special edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. Uh, hello, special editions. It's been a while. Mm. This is a special special edition as well. It is. Because this is one of the ones that we're going to do in multimedia. Yes. Yeah, so if you do have a podcast player that shows images, which will now include Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. then on the chapters where we are discussing particular vehicles, you will see an image come up on your screen. Mm. Or if you're in a car, it will come up on the um, center console as well. Yes. Or you can watch it on the YouTubes as well, should you so desire and see our happy smiley faces talking along with it. Yeah. Do you want to tell us what the Japan Mobility Show 2023 is? Yes. Well, that's a very good point. It is the replacement for the Tokyo Motor Show, essentially. The Tokyo Motor Show ran, obviously, from uh, 1954 up until a couple of years ago, where it was around 45 Uh, 46 times, I can't count this morning, 46 times this would have been the 47th of them. Uh, They decided to rebrand, resize, relocate, re-everything to try to increase the relevance of the show. It is, of course, being held in Tokyo, and there are about 470 exhibitors, according to the official website. Uh, That's about three times as many as the last motor show, so they are trying to make it bigger and stronger and all sorts of things. The show split into three sections, really. There is the Tokyo Future Tour, and this is the majority of the of the show. Uh, and it is a, in their words, a cross-industry effort to show how different types of new mobility will help create an exciting future. It's the main show floor. That's going to have things like uh, electric push bikes, scooters concepts for how people could get around without cars that sort of thing everything from wheelchairs to jets okay and all sorts of stuff in between now obviously with a motoring podcast we're not going to cover much of that the uk motoring press doesn't really cover that stuff but if it helps you get around the place there will be something at this show about that it is not just about cars and trucks and things that go do be aware of that. We are focusing on a very small part of it and a particular focus within it. At the show, it's practically all Japanese companies showing there. There were a couple of exceptions. Mm-hmm. I believe Mercedes had a stand. BMW definitely did. They revealed the X2 that we discussed in a recent show. I know. I know. Here's the eye bleach, Andrew. <laughs> uh, and uh, who else? Renault. Uh, oh, Renault and BYD. But also, who was there was Twisted. Yes. The Yorkshire modifiers or enhancers of 4x4s because they're doing a mm-hmm. tie-in with Suzuki on the Jimny. Yeah. Um, but they are expanding to the Japanese market as well. As a result of that. But yeah. We're, but we all know what a Jimny looks like, so we've not talked about that. No. Tokyo Future Tour is the main part. There's also a startup future factory, a springboard for startups and top-tier companies to come together to create the future of mobility and will feature pitch contests and awards program as well as a business matching events program. So this is very much industry stuff. Similarly, the Japan Future Sessions, a series of daily presentations and discussions focusing on the, the future of mobility and covering a wide range of subjects from sustainability to AI uh, to more easily accessible topics such as motorsport and toys. It covers all sorts of stuff. Given all of that, why are we talking about it? Why, why are we covering it? Good question. 
Yeah. Well, it's the same reason as we like to cover auto salon and, and stuff. What's seen at Tokyo is certainly for the world outside Japan is, is certainly not production ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is particularly true this time around, uh, I think. But what we get is something that is kind of extreme. It's concentrated version of what's coming next in, in motoring and in the motoring landscape. And, and also in, in this case, mobility, but obviously we're focusing on the motoring side of it. So it's because it is all a bit weird, wacky, unusual, but that gives us pointers, I think, to the future across the whole the whole breadth of motoring and the ideas coming through. Yeah, yeah. What is going to be the format of this show then, in terms of what we're going to discuss? We're going to look at pictures of cars and we're going to talk about them. Okay, do we have... I know the answer to this because I can see the Trello board. <laughs> you can, but for our listeners, <laughs> have we grouped them together in certain naming sections? Why, goodness me, Andrew, we have. Oh, good. Uh, the <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, when I was going through all the sort of coverage and looking at pictures and stuff, I'd say there was kind of three themes. And there is crossover between these, so these are not hard and fast and you might look at stuff and go that's not a sports car i did somebody almost has done this morning already <laughs> the three themes are tiny cars obviously there's loads and loads of kai cars kai vehicles uh so the little little tiny um tax level friendly cars that everybody thinks of in japan i don't know why i'm explaining that to you if you're a motoring podcast listener you probably already know what that is but if they're new they may not but if you're new might not come join us just a few of the tiny cars because there's so many and we can't cover all of them. We'd have to make a special show just for that, I think. I actually have to do work later on today. <laughs> as much as I'd much rather discuss Daihatsu's latest oddity, uh, sadly I can't. There were a lot of sports cars-ish. I've stretched the definition there as well. Sporty. Yeah. And there were many uh, electric SUVs in various shapes and forms and sizes. I've grouped them into those. Uh, we're going to go through them in roughly that kind of order. Okay. Starting off with the tiny cars, the Honda CI MEV is our starting point. How would we describe this, Andrew? It's it's a it's a bit like the original Smart. Was it a four two or something two? It was called the Smart City Coupe originally, but then became the four two. Yes. Yeah. It's a two seater small because I can't see, keep saying tiny, small city car, uh, wheel at each corner, small wheel at each corner type thing, almost triangular, uh, where the, the front is very flat, but angled back, and then it goes to a flat roof, and then almost a, f- a vertical rear that ends pretty much where the mudguards are for the, for the rear wheels. <sighs> and because of that, I kind of struggled to get any excitement about it, because we've seen it 10, 15 years ago. Well, yeah, but there's, yes, okay, so it is- But there are clever uh, bits to it, sorry. I I am purely talking about the aesthetics at this point. It is a a sort of Honda version of the Citroen Ami is really where it it sits in in all of this. And the idea is it's designed for old people. Okay. Yes. Well, that's interesting because not many manufacturers willingly do that Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. openly- explain that they do i've included it because i think it's interesting because it's a sort of reflection of japan's aging rural population which is quite a significant issue in in japan but it is elsewhere as well absolutely so the idea of this is that it is a very affordable vehicle for people to use to be able to 
kind of expand the radius in which they live. You know, you're always complaining about everybody's sort of road pricing and everything, making us, us all have to live like 13th century serfs mm. and never going further than we can walk. This is the opposite of that. The idea is that it means that older people can actually still go and visit people and go places easily on their own and not having to rely on public transport. I think it's quite an interesting concept. It's something which, it's, it's a very Japanese bit of thinking, it, to my mind. But I like this because I, I, I have been mulling this over recently, whether it's urban or rural. Mm. In the West, we're all talking about, right, ditch all cars mm -hmm. and get a bike or use public transport. Yes. And I feel that that's an end point yes. rather than the next step for many people. I'm not saying it's not an admirable aim and it's not that something a lot of people couldn't do, but I think there is an interim time between us now as a society being car dependent, which we are because we've grown up with the marketing, our, our infrastructure is built around us being able to drive places. You, you can't disagree with that. That's just how it is. Mate, I live in America at the minute. <laughs> well, yeah, you're even worse. <laughs> they actively stop people from walking there. <laughs> But we have to get to that end point of where it is nicer to be in a high-density uh, environment where there are no motorized vehicles or very few, and we are gently going along either walking or on a scooter, an uh, electric scooter, or on a bike. There has to be stages to get to that point. You can't just mm. flip a switch and society suddenly goes to that. That's not practical for many, many people because we have to change how we do things. And I think this is a brilliant, excellent, and you are right to include it. I mean, I've, I was mocking of the design, but the concept and the idea behind it is excellent. It's not an unpleasant thing to look at at all. It's not actually particularly radical, but neither is it completely dull. It, it's, it's a nice medium. But it's trying to be affordable as well, so you can't be too out there, can you? No, not really. Not particularly. But no, it's cool. I thought it was interesting because I, I thought that the, the whole thinking and the thought behind it mm. uh, was, was a bit like, obviously, battery electric. I think we'll see that as a, uh, I think we'll see that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, in most of the stuff we're going to talk about, I think, is actually electric. Now that I've done that, there is actually, the next one is, is a similar, <sighs> it's similar but different. So a much funkier take on that is the Daihatsu Mimo. Mm. I think what's impressive about this is that the aesthetic of the Daihatsu naked of the 1990s, early 2000s, can't get around my dates correctly, has carried on with those sort of super funky square, square squareness, really, and, and sort of squircle headlamps. That's a halfway between a square and a circle. Uh, that was Fiat, Fiat 500 that brought that up. They, I think that's the first time I saw that word. It's a kind of push me, pull you type aesthetic, mostly. Mm. Uh, for the Mimo, and this again, the idea is sustainability, compact battery electric vehicles, but it has a style and sense of enjoyment that can be adapted to different stages of life. The picture that we've shown is the Daihatsu Press picture, mm. which shows it being white with sort of grey bumpers and stuff. If you go to some other publications, and there will be links in the show notes, I'm sure, to the, the auto car coverage and the car coverage of, of all of this, yeah. the one that was shown on the stand was very different. It was fitted out for carrying children around. Mm. 
and it was brightly colored and it had sort of rattan style outsides on it. So very different from the picture that you, you can see at the moment. But I couldn't find any press pictures which I could use. Yeah, the picture that we've got um, that you've managed to find is very much, this is the base from which you, you can adapt yeah. and change to your liking. Uh, and that's an interesting concept because I, I don't know, again, it's just a it's, it's purely a concept. But I don't know whether they mean that those panels will interchange, so therefore keeping the vehicle running longer as well. I think so. Because they, they talk about it following you through your stages of life. Mm-hmm. That reminds me again of the circular economy that is very much a buzzword at the moment and something that sounds really interesting and something we need to do. Yeah. And I like the idea of trying to keep an vehicle on the, on the road as long as possible because then that really does minimize the environmental impact from making it in the first place. Yeah, and I think it's modular on the inside as well, um, yeah, as lots of the parts yeah. being the same front and rear. So there's, like, there's only sort of two sort of bumper corner stroke wheel arch mouldings, one for the front left, one for the you know the front left and rear right are the same, and then the rear left and front right are the same. So there's only like two parts kind of four corners, all sorts of clever stuff like that. But it's saying that it's a completely new form that considered the manufacturing and sense of enjoyment of cars from zero. By the way, it's all part of the fact that the car is like the most private space you can get in much of Japan yeah. because of apartments and stuff like that. So there's far more sense of living in your car hence sort of being able to, to evolve it. Shall we move on to something more traditional, but also from Daihatsu next? Yeah. Uh, two concepts in one. You get a twofer on this one. <laughs> uh, the Daihatsu Uniform Truck and Uniform Cargo. So these are little Kai vans. Uh, one of them's forward control with a box in the back that can be adapted for lots of different things and they showed it being used as a uh, fruit sort of fold down the side and it becomes a fruit store i think that's on the ones that's on the daihatsu stand yeah the top bit lifts up over and the yeah. bottom panel folds out almost like a, a counter yeah absolutely but that's adaptable for loads of different stuff and of the uniform cargo is a far more traditional fan again that same sort of squircle slash naked aesthetic going through these mm. doesn't men- none of the press stuff mentioned how it was powered so they may still be petrol powered at the moment Th- these ones very very close to to production aesthetically yeah they've got proper wing mirrors and things like that on and them. door handles yeah that's what um, i noticed i really like the look of them and another thing uh, similar to what i was because uh, i have been pondering these things i don't just sit and shout all the time i do think about things occasionally really and i've been pondering about how much we can learn in the West, particularly high-density urban, Mm. of how Japan has tackled transport and cars and vans in their very compact cities. Mm -hmm. It just seems like such a, okay, there needs to be some adaptation, but a concept to pick up and parachute in generally Mm -hmm. for, say, the last mile type stuff that we're talking about in cities in the West, in the UK. These seem like the perfect vehicle for that sort of thing. And we see sort of derived versions of that coming along. The difference here is that in Japan, I think they use the right tool for the right job. Yeah. For example, I don't think anyone would consider driving one of these on the highway, Mm. like 200 miles up the length of Japan. Whereas here, people go, oh, you can't possibly buy that. Look at it. It's not safe on the motorway. And it's like, it's not meant to go on the motorway. Yeah. And I think that they have that luxury of being able to to say, well, no, actually, we're, we're going to use the right thing in the right place, and we're not going to buy something and expect it to do 
things outside of its uh, intended use case. And of course, if you don't go very fast, you don't go very far, then you don't have to necessarily build in the crashworthiness for 70 mile an hour impact. Yeah. You can get away with something smaller, lighter, and as a result, more efficient for use in cities. Mm. Just don't take it outside or don't take it on any fast roads. And that's the first thing people would do. You can imagine it, can't you? Oh, well, we couldn't accelerate down the slip road quickly enough. It's a danger. Yeah. Headline, headline, headline. But I, I can see in our future, not imminent, but I can see almost zonal approvals of vehicles coming in because of because of the way that we're trying to go with trying to pick the right type of transport for the job we want to do. Yeah, I think that's going to be more and more important. One last little thing to sort of sig between tiny vehicles and sports cars is a tiny sports car. And one of the things that everybody was falling in love with is there was some thought put into this production, you know. And one of the things that one of the vehicles that everyone's been falling in love with is the Daihatsu Copen. Love it. Me too. This is actually a Daihatsu Copen Vision concept. And the idea is that it's front engine, rear wheel drive, internal combustion engine. It says using CN fuel. I didn't actually get a chance to work out what that was. I think it's compressed natural. So it might be compressed natural gas. Okay. But the styling is reminiscent of a first generation Copen. And of course, it has an electric uh, active top roof. So it's got that foldy hard top as well. It's almost a retro version of itself. Whilst the interesting bit there being front engine, rear wheel drive, as Copen's always been front wheel drive, I believe. Mm, but that again looks quite close to being production ready, I would. It does. It has large wing mirrors. I mean, I know I'm desperately hoping. Not that we in Britain will see one of these, but <laughs> it, no. it would be cool if we did. In other markets, they are sold as a Toyota Copen, because remember, that's is an offshoot. Mm. That was it for the tiny cars. Uh, shall we move on to, to some of these sports cars? Alleged sports cars, yes. I shall start off with the first part of stretching that definition. Honda announced a new Prelude. Uh-huh. And this got quite a lot of shouting, quite a lot of noise on social media. And then you go off to try and find things about it, and there's very, very little. It gets mentioned briefly in the speech by Honda's president, where he's talking about an electrified future, which confused an awful lot of people, because that was like one of the very few references to it. So they assumed it was electric, and it's not, No, by the way. It is a, a hybrid. There were quite a few corrections had to be issued after that one. <laughs> but very hard to find any information on it. There's two press pictures. There's one from a front three quarters, one from a rear three quarters of a white vehicle against a white background. Uh, it was easier to find information about the latest generation of Honda Jet, which is also being shown than it was about the Prelude. It basically got two lines in the president's speech, and that's been it. Uh, to even find a press picture of it rather than stealing from a magazine site, which we definitely haven't done in any of this, I had to go to the Honda North America site. The Honda Global PR site had nothing about it. Honda Europe had nothing about it. There was a couple of pictures, no words, on the Honda North America site, which I think gives us a fairly good hint at where it's intended for. Mm. This, I can see, replacing the older Civic Coupe. There's no stats around, by the way, but I would imagine that Civic powertrains will fit in, mostly the hybrids. That's it. I don't find it a particularly attractive picture, but that may well be the fact it's a press picture of a white car. I'm reserving judgment till I see one in real life, but we'll we'll see. It's very much rubbing the soap trademark in terms of car design. It is very much with this kind of weird sort of gulpy more. Well, it's not gulpy more. It's 
It's a little bit Mirai at the front, to be honest, in my mind. That's it. This is from Autocar. Honda did not reveal any technical details or release date for the Prelude, saying only that we are diligently progressing with development. And uh, maybe the Honda, uh, Honda CEO urged the public to keep your expectations high. Do keep them going and do keep them nice and buoyant. The thing is, they've come out with great cars over here recently, but not really on a Honda badge. The new Acura Integra, which will share the, if this is Civic based, same platform, is a far more attractive uh, Honda Civic. There is a Type S has been released, which is the Civic Type R in a far more grown up body shell, which is getting rave reviews. Let's hold off on some of the aesthetics, but there's the chance that there's going to be some very good underpinnings under, un, underneath that. There's also a very high chance that it's not going to be available outside North America. Yeah. Should we move on to something that is actually really rather nice and it is, does get us excited? It is lovely. Mazda Iconic SP. Again, not easy to find stuff about this or press pictures. I, I don't know why. It surprised me recently to find out that the, the current generation Mazda MX-5 is almost nine years old. It really does not feel like that. I, I, Andrew and I were discussing stuff before the show and so the, the you know, my photos app had said, on this day, eight years ago, and it was pictures of my just about to be registered MX-5 sitting on the dealer forecourt. Drink. By the way, they have also shown a mild facelift of the MX-5 as well. Yeah, it's got extra safety tech to bring it in line, hopefully with a five-star Euro NCAP, I think. Yeah. yeah. But this new iconic SP is being shown. It's being shown on the, the Mazda stand is entirely devoted to the history of the MX-5. There's a fairly large hint there. No, 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 no. It's going to be an RX, Alan. Yeah. So there is some debate over this. What it's showing here is a concept coupe, which is a 370 brake horsepower EV concept with a Wankel rotary range extender. So that's the engine or a similar powertrain. I'm not going to say it's the same, but it's a similar style powertrain to the one that has just been launched in the CX-MX30. Yeah, they're, they're currently doing a tour of the UK with press people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll come in about 1,400 kilos. This concept shows pop-up headlamps as well. What's the bet those won't get to production? Because I've always wanted to go pop-up headlamps. This looks gorgeous. Yes. There's no question about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a really nice looking thing. Classically proportioned, really good looking uh, small coupe. It's so sophisticated. It is. That's a really nice word for it. It's sophisticated. It's grown up. And it's... I think the real genius of this is it's so simple. Yeah. In its looks, it isn't, but it it comes across as very simple. Again, it's the anti-slash. We are finally seeing the kickback against let's have random creases and slashes everywhere. But Mazda have done that for the last decade. Mazda have mostly completely ignored it. There have been the occasional odd crease line, but mm. that's the most you can ever ever accuse them of and of course they look good the interiors are really nice uh they're nice to drive there's, there's lots to i don't understand how they don't sell more honestly i know i think it's through people's ignorance of the vehicles i think it's through through lack of lack of awareness yeah that's what i mean by ignorance is mm -hmm. they, they just don't know yeah. yeah yeah so with that one our glowing review is yes and please yes on the driveway now <laughs> uh the 
From elevating and sophistication, we jump to possibly in this case stretching the definition of a sports car, but it looks it's it, 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 once again the idea is interesting. It's kind of a sports car. Well, it's far more Fisher Price than <laughs> far more Fisher Price than what we've just looked at. Mm. But it is the Honda Sustania C. According to Honda, the concept models of electric automobile and motorcycle models, because it comes with a, an accompanying uh, little electric motorcycle. The Sustainia C is styled after the City Turbo 2. So the Honda City from the 1980s, late 80s, early 90s. Someone will, will correct me on that. It's styled after that, but of course it's wider and longer. But that was the one that came with the Moto Compo mm. motorcycle. You know, the little square one that turns into a suitcase, essentially, that sat in the boot. This Sustainia C is that Honda City and, of course, an electric version of a Moto Compo styly bike. Yes. But that's not the really interesting bit about this car, though, is it? No. The really interesting bit about this car is its recyclability. It is designed, uh, hence the name Sustainia. It's a C for city, you see, and the Sustainia for the sustainability that everything is designed to be uh, recycled, reused. So it's all about the circular economy Mm -hmm. and being able to engage in what they call here resource circulation, which I think is quite a good term, actually. Yeah. It's about trying to make sure that we've got stuff that is, that can be reused, can be recycled at the end of its current life, whilst not compromising the car and, and mobility at the at the same time. That sounds that was a fair old game of buzzword bingo, that one, wasn't it? <laughs> I think it's cute. It's it's re- it's again again with the big the big grey court bumpers round the corners. It's red and sporty. It's got a blue panel on the bonnet. I think a lot of that is to show what are the replaceable panels though. I think so. I, I do think that, that that shows across lots of them. It's like, look, this bit here can come off, put on, you can paint it, you can do whatever. Mm. I think you're right. I think there's quite a lot of that sort of thing going on. Yeah. But I, I like the idea behind it. But the execution, well, it's just a concept, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it's the thinking and the, the ideas, I think. As we said at the start, it's, it's that concentration of, of the ideas and the ideas are what's really important here. Yeah. A couple of Toyota concepts next. Okay, this is where we start to really question. Well, okay, there were a whole bunch of Toyota and actually Lexus concepts that were based on roughly the same underpinnings and mechanicals, despite the fact that they were quite significantly different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The sort of core set of mechanicals were really from the FT3E, which is battery electric, compact, low, car, car SUV. That sort of, it's a car, but it's jacked up a little bit to allow space for uh, batteries uh, like and whatever Peugeot else. It's like that one that came out recently that I can't remember, that they were, went to great pains to say it's not an SUV, yet when you, anyone stood next to it, you went, it's quite tall though. <laughs> Lots of these images, by the way, are renderings. Yes. You have worked very hard to find the press yeah. release or the press office's own images rather than yeah. go... Thank you, Autocar. We will just nab your photo. challenge with that, of course, is there are never any people in them to give you an idea of scale. The FT3E five-door sporty-looking SUV. It's not an SUV coupe. I'm not prepared to give it that. No, it's not that. I think it's perfectly reasonably attractive. Andrew disagrees with me, but he's being too polite to say that. But the one that everybody's really talking about is on the same platform, the FTSE. 
This is the mid-engined rear-wheel drive. He says just double-checking. I can't see any comment to the rear-wheel drive. Sports car, which everyone's going, MR2, MR2, MR2. And again, much I think it looks great. I think there's a load of Le Mans racer influence in, in the looks at the front of it. I think it's got a really cool sort of jet fighter cockpit thing going on. I really like it. Yeah, I quite like this one. I get a lot of the, what was the Lotus that was after the Elise? Pixige. Was that the hardcore Elise? Yes. Because it's not that one, it's the next one after that that was a, a different... I don't know, it began with E. Yes, it was one of those, but I, the, the, the roof, the, the windscreen and roof and going into the tail, I know this, it's very difficult to do anything too radically different. Uh, you talked about the Avora. Yeah, the Avora. I get hints of the Avora in the, the, the windscreen backwards, but get the that. front end is very... Mm-hmm. Toyota and Lexus are not afraid to go out there when it comes to their front ends. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going to move on from that very quickly. <laughs> it says major components with the FT3E, and it says they set out to create a car that continues to grow with the driver through software updates. It's wide, it's low. Ba, 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 ba. The next generation full digital cockpit offers intuitive controls and a more immersive driving experience. A low instrument panel profile ensures high visibility and newly designed knee pads protect the body from G-forces during driving. I love this because there's a whole thought of, well, we're going to share lots of bits with lots of other higher production models and bring that down. Again, it's up there with the Mazda Vision SE for me. Get on my driveway type of thing. I'd like to experience it. I'd like to see it as well before mm. I was any more judgmental. I like the idea, but I'm yet to be convinced that electric vehicles are mega engaging to drive. I've not experienced it myself yet. No. They're very quick. Mm-hmm. They're very nice places to sit. Mm. The rides are good and that sort of thing, but I've never really been mega engaged by it. Yeah, but then you've not been driving something that is intended as a sports car at the same time. No, no, exactly. That's why I'm saying I want to... It's always been variations of hatch or SUV. hmm Yep. Speaking of a variation, <laughs> I love the fact when there's a challenging aesthetic, one tends to find that manufacturer pictures tend to be dark. <laughs> you mean this isn't a white car on a white background? This is not a white car on a white background, unlike so many pictures. This is the Nissan Hyperforce. I don't think you've said that right. Nissan Hyperforce. Sorry. This is the Nissan Hyperforce. Yeah. Okay. 1,000 kilowatt output, 1,600 horsepower, all-wheel drive. Uh, I sound like Andrew with the great big uh, outpouring of breath just before saying stuff. Yeah. All-wheel it's a motor for every wheel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't actually exist. And it never will. It never will. Uh, Everybody's making a big deal about this being the next generation uh, GTR preview. All off the back of the fact that the rear actually... There are hints of GTR silhouette. of GTR in the rear with the lights in the shape that they are and all the rest of it. But this isn't isn't never destined to be made anyway, is it? Oh, no, no, no. The styling very much is very much after the the Japanese styling thing where it's all o- over the top, you know, where they, they take uh, a Nissan saloon. It's got this massive, great, uh, flat spoiler at the front, exhaust pipes up the back, very, very square. Oh, the one that Rory Reed went around Tokyo with. 
yeah, and it begins with B, and I can't think what yeah, the word no, is. And I've tried to look for a couple of similar sounding words, and and I'm just scared. I'm going to, I'm going to hit the safe search if I if I try many more terms. To me, it looks like it's a vehicle that will appear in an update for Cyberpunk 2077. That's what uh, it looks like to me. Nearly. It is available as an update in Fortnite. Ah, okay, there we go. Along with all of the other four Nissan Hyper concepts, we're not going to talk about all of those, but no, Nissan and all of these are being shown digitally, I think is how they, they're explaining it. In other words, they're going to show you some pictures and some animations on the Nissan stand. They don't actually exist outside of computers. The Hyper Torah was, was physically there, as well as the Hyperpunk. My apologies. It'd I think be the urban that will be digital. I think possibly I read that against one or two of them and then assumed it, it fitted all, all four of them, all five of them. Uh, they, well, there was physically a thing there. Okay. I could be wrong, of course, because I did do quite a lot of reading. Because I'm just looking on the auto car pictures. Um, right. Oh, and, my apologies. And that's their stand. And you can see this Hyperforce is there with the uh, Hypertora to one side and then the Hyper. Um, the hyper punk. My apologies, you are quite other. right. It does exist physically. I am wrong. Not all of the Nissan ones do. On there, but <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not expecting it, it. It drove. It doesn't seem to have any interior for starters. No, they kept the, they kept the hyperforce doors shut, but they did open the other two. Yeah. We'll okay. So I was I was I was I, I was slightly wrong about that. So it does exist in a sort of here's a thing type way. But yeah, it's yeah. If you want better pictures. Do do go to the autocar article actually because it shows it in the light. I mean, of course, you may decide you don't want to see that. But. Well, looking at the reaction by many on social media, perhaps don't. It is like it it's is just a, it, it's just a wacky concept car. That it is ties it is into a computer game. You know, brutalist automotive design. Mm. And again, available in in Fortnite. Should you know what you're meant to be doing in Fortnite? Let's move on to some SUVs, and obviously, there's some crossover pun not intended, in there. And we're going to start off with the Nissan Hyperpunk. So again, it's part of the hyper, hyper styling. It is. <laughs> it is an all-electric compact crossover tailored for content creators, influencers, artists, and those who embrace style and innovation. Oh, wow. And those who embrace style and innovation. Yeah. Oh, Wow. The highly stable design with compact overhangs and large 23-inch wheels expresses this versatile concept ideal for both city and off-road driving. The headlights, taillights, and rear signature emphasize the polygonal shapes and are integrated into the body surface, further accentuating this unique vehicle. Concept vehicles become available in the online game Fortnite under the name Electrify Your World, blah, 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 blah. That's, quite, that's almost BMW or IBMW go-get-another-car-boomer. It is, yeah, I know, yeah. It is, it is, it is well out there. I mean, it is, it is obviously clearly a concept, and it is quite mad because this won't come in in anything like this form. No, but the more I look at it, the more I quite like it as a concept, with the exception. But then I find those wheels. That, so the wheels have these big illuminated triangles across the middle of them mm. for low poly polygon count reasons, I'm sure, and and I find those very distracting. If you can blank those out, it's got a kind of really cool utility urban. Well, it's not, but that's not urban, is it? Because you can see people next to the car. Yeah, this really doesn't. This does not help the SUVs are bad in a city look. <laughs> no, 
there but, is a but, thought that this gives hints towards the next generation of Duke, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say that I can see sort of ideas of this making it into the Duke, obviously smoother on the bottom, you know, the mm-hmm. whole. Whereas the Mazda has eschewed any crease whatsoever, mm-hmm. Nissan has nicked everybody's creases. Yes, yes, yes. They're sitting there in, uh, in southwest London and they're going, hang on a minute. We've tapped into the uh, European crease mountain <laughs> and we've got creases going cheap. Let's have some of them. Yes. Should we move on to the next Nissan Hyper? Because this one actually I really like. And it's the Nissan Hyper Adventure. This is outfitted for eco-minded outdoor travellers, the opposite of your influencers, artists, and everybody else's. Body panels express activity. Uh, it looks looks like it's doing stuff. Uh, the idea is that it, it's sort of very adaptable back. It's got a, a proper sort of load luggage area, which you can you can reconfigure to, to sleep and all sorts of stuff when you're out in the adventure and in the outdoors. Again, in this one, as many of the body panels as possible are transparent so that it brings the outdoors indoors type of thing going on. This one doesn't exist. This one's the one that made me think the others were displayed digitally as well. Mm. But I quite like this. One of the things it's worth mentioning is that all of the Nissan concepts, all the hyper concepts, they're all supposedly feature uh, V2X. That used to be called V2G, but it's not because people say, well, you might not want to put it to the grid. You might want to just power your TV from it. But again, all electrical, all this one particularly is mentioned that it has a particularly large battery pack so that it can go for distances or for time and it can power your, you know, recharge your phone and stuff, mm. power your cooking hobs and stuff whenever you're, uh, you're out adventuring in the wilderness. Yes. Speaking of adventuring in the wilderness, a very traditional way of adventuring in the wilderness. Toyota have taken the Land Cruiser and so I said, well, what would this look like in an EV aesthetic? What could we do with it? What, what would an electric Land Cruiser, what could it look like? Uh, and here we're talking about the Land Cruiser Amazon. There was another concept, name of which has escaped me for a second, which was very much the very traditional, very square Land Cruiser as used in... Um, the IMVO? Yes, that one there. The IMVO, which was uh, which is um, adaptable, they think it's uh, it's probably going to be the basis of the new Hilux and that sort of thing. That one, yes, that one. Yeah. But that's really very much the more utility Land Cruiser as opposed I to the Hilux itself. Oh, sorry, that's the one I chose not to include as well. I know. Well, I cried when I found that out. You could just have added it yourself. I could have. The Land Cruiser SE is very much more the sort of like what we think of as the Land Cruiser Amazon three row interior. Quite realistic looking. I don't think, you know, it doesn't have proper wing mirrors. It doesn't have proper door handles. So it is very much still a concept. If we use the wing mirror and door handle metric. Metric podcast judgment. <laughs> metric for how real yes. something is. <laughs> or curiously, also a monocoque body, um, which Lion Cruisers traditionally don't have. But the idea is that this is very much more of the luxury end with electric. I think it's quite. I can still see that it's a Lion Cruiser in there. Can you? Yeah, it's to do with the shape of the front and the grill and the lights and the intersection of stuff. Okay. Oh, by the way, this is the one where the on-site photograph, looking at Autocar's version, mm. is much worse than the press office's photo. Is it? Okay. Yeah. That's unusual, because generally you find the press photos make stuff look worse. I think it's the lighting, the colour that was chosen, and the background 
do not help it. Whereas it's being in situ. It, it looks better. I get it more there than I do the photograph and the angle it was taken at. I think it's a very wide angle lens that's been used on the autocar photo as well. I think it's sort of made the front look bigger and the back look smaller. Yeah. I don't dislike the look of this Land Cruiser, by the way. I don't, I don't want to imply that I, I disliked it. It neither excites nor annoys me. It's one of those. Yeah, which is a, totally understandable as well. One last one is the Toyota EPU. Lifestyle. Lifestyle. I know. I chose the most lifestyle picture of the lot with a surfboard. <laughs> if only they were taking bikes out the back as well as the surfboard, or, or is that a small sailing boat? I think it might be a small sailing boat, actually. It's a bit big. It's a bit big and thick to be a. a, a it's a long a board, otherwise, yeah. isn't it? This is very interesting, actually. This, this actually, this, this is kind of cool. It is a monocoque lifestyle pickup truck thing, very much in the style of the Hyundai Santa Cruz or the Ford Maverick, none of which, of course, sold in the UK, but are really quite popular here in the US of A. There's a curious thing about this. It was being shown in Tokyo. And this was Dan Golson, formerly of Jalopnik and many other publications, who pointed this out on one of the social media's, that this has, in the front headlamps, it has the orange reflectors stroke position lights that you need in the US. It's also left-hand drive. And he was kind of pondering, it also has door handles and wing mirrors. And so there was a little bit of a, hmm, I wonder how likely this is to make production for the North American market. So even though it's being shown in Tokyo as a Santa Cruz competitor. Mm. Santa Cruz is, the Maverick is available, internal combustion engine and hybrid. The Santa Cruz is internal combustion engine only. This concept is electric, notionally, but it'd be interesting to see if it's possible to have it as a hybrid or similar. This one could be, of all of the Toyota concepts, this one is the one that looks closest to being ready for production. Yeah, it's an interesting silhouette, actually. Looking at the front end. It's, I mean, it, it's it looks quite a, it looks cab a, forward. Yeah, it looks a really decent looking little, mm-hmm. little, he says in inverted commas, pickup. But for America, a little oh, yeah, pickup. Yeah. So it's only five um, meters. It would be so. typical what we would expect over here when we say a pickup. Yeah. But it the, the comes up from like the, the front of it, the bumper, where what would be a bumper over the headlights, comes back a bit, and then it just goes straight. Yeah. Well, it makes it easy to fit accessories. And it goes straight along the shoulder line, which has been beautifully done, that fit falls all the way to the rear pillar of the king cab, the back of the king cab, and then goes up. And I think it follows through on that same line for the bed as well. It does. It's as if there's a bit folded over the side to form the C-pillar. Mm. It's it's actually really some, there's some neat stylistic touches in there, I think, mm. as a player. And I think that the, the creases at the bottom of the door panels, mm-hmm. I feel that's very much a Toyota thing at the moment. Yeah, that's something is, they're yeah. doing. And if anyone has not seen Looking Out episode nine, where they discuss the, the Century SUV, mm, I have. You get a real good education on why a company may do that sort of thing. It's a, it's a brilliant episode. Mm-hmm. Once you've finished listening, stroke watching us, go hunt it out because it's a fantastic episode for those of us who are muggles. It's not like that. Alan went to design school, so he knows these things. But for someone like myself who, who likes design but doesn't know the technical aspects of it or how 
decisions are made on why they're made and what that impact that has. This is a fantastic education on that car and comparing it to others and why people might do certain things. Mm-hmm. And that bottom section, it just reminded me of that episode. And it's really interesting to find out why somebody might do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to go have a listen to that now as well. I haven't listened to that. But I, but I do like this. Mm-hmm. I like this EPU. Yeah. I've not been glowing about many things here, but I do like this EPU. Yeah. And it's one of those ones, the more you look at it, the cleverer it is, really. Yeah. Those yeah. things. Yeah. And that particular high note, it's pretty much rounds it up. Andrew, any any thoughts on on that? Any any particular trends? Well, I think the thing for me, well, there was a couple of things. First, how much coverage it got in the Britain compared to, say, another show that happened in the desert recently that virtually nobody covered. What show? Exactly. Well done, UK Motoring Press. Mm. Also, the how it made me think about some of the problems we've got when it comes to transferring from being car dependent so much yeah, and how there has to be a transition period, but what we can do to make that easier. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated that. Also, what's not to like when you can spend hours just looking at K cars, whether they're EV K cars or <laughs> internal combustion engine K cars. But also, I'm pleased to see Nissan aside because that was for a game tie-in. Mm-hmm. And I like the ideas Honda did, not the execution. The Japanese manufacturers seem to have some confidence in their products again. Yes. Because there's a Subaru one we haven't shown, which I, I don't think has been well done, but it's a bit challenging. I know it's their home market and they've got to show willing, but I was reassured to see that they are really going for electrified futures. They they've realized that that is the way it's happening because they mm-hmm. Japan was so reluctant to move that way for so long, even though they were the leaders for so long in battery tech. I think a lot of that is is to do with the social situation and the geography and all these kind of things in, mm. in Japan, where people don't have places to charge at home. People don't have, you know, uh, so for majority of the time, a hybrid was more efficient, more convenient, more everything mm. than an electric would have been. Yep. And that it was about lots of things being a little bit better making a big difference yeah and they they also didn't have the government deciding things in such a dramatic fashion as we in the west have yes well that again is another because they weren't impacted as hard by the diesel gate issue because they don't use it no not in anything much smaller than a shogun type thing yeah it's really unusual small diesel vehicles diesel passenger cars they exist but not in a big scale so they didn't have the sudden knee jerk which happened all across Europe and North America. Yeah. How about you? What what have you taken from that? Similar to you, I did I liked some of the some of the sort of changing it through the ages the ages mm-hmm. and some of the that look on on sustainability. I, I like the sustainability circular economy stuff anyway. I think that that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it is very I think it's very real. And it's mm-hmm. nice to see doable. that into, into concepts. And it's it's doable, reasonable, it's an important step. And I, I like seeing that. Obviously, the uh, Toyota pickup concepts, my, my favorite of, of the lot of them. I just really like that Okay, on, on a number of levels. Well, it's the, it's the Mazda Iconic SP for me. It was between the two of them. I mean, the Iconic, you know, but either of them, I could, I could happily own either of those, if not both. It would be a decent two-car garage, that. You would. I mean, that is, if that does not scream Allen Garage. <laughs> the, the trouble is that sometimes you need to, 
big stuff under cover in the back of a vehicle and pickup trucks suck at that. Mm. But yeah, otherwise, I, I think that was that's pretty awesome. Yep. Mm. Be good. We should do more of these for, for motor shows. I think. The challenge yeah. is that it's trying to find ones with enough interesting stuff, to be honest. I think some of the European ones have been a little bit weak. We did plan one, didn't we? We did plan to do this with another one that was in Germany, and we both came separately to the conclusion there was nothing in there we wanted to talk about. Yeah. Certainly nothing positive. Kind of depressing. I mean, we both had pretty miserable weeks, so oh, I'm not going not gonna to lay the more misery onto that. No. <laughs> but no, we'll keep an eye out more of these coming up and we'll, we'll, we'll try and do do more maybe not just on motor shows but announcements and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. just time zones as always anyway folks don't forget between now and the next time you can give us any feedback share your thoughts for the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities remember our patrons available at motoringpodcast.com slash support and please leave a review and rating on itunes or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing it really does matter in the meantime, Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is either via Twitter or Mastodon and search for Crack Windscreen, and you should find me there. Alan, if people would like to know more about your perfect two-car garage, what's the best way for them to do that personally? Oh, but it varies hourly, so th- th- please don't even ask. Many conversations then, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best way to get in touch with me uh, outside of the show is basically any of the modern current social networks that can be used by people who are over 30 in every case i'm at ajp bradley that's b-i-a-d-l-e-y we'll be back before very long but until then i've been on bradley i've been andrew clues and safe motoring <laughs>